yes, we need to talk about the evils in our own communities, but you also have to pose an alternative. And that's what the film does. It does not reject Islam as a whole. It rejects a group. Hey, you. You're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast, the project about creativity, leadership, and spirituality. I'm so grateful you're here. And I have a very special friend, a very special artist, and a very special person here. Her name is Jude. Can you say, hey, Jude? Hi. Oh, they just say hey. I'm supposed to say hey. I get it now. Hi. Hey, Jude. Um, so I'll give you a little black and white version of Jude. So Jude Cheb is a Lebanese American filmmaker whose cinematic interests have drawn her to the exploration of the esoteric, the spiritual, and the unspoken. Her work has been awarded fellowships through CAM, NextDoc, Points North Institute, Firelight Media, and Close Up. And she's currently in production on her first feature documentary, based in Lebanon, and has been supported by IDA, ITBS, TFI, Sundance, you know, the whole circle of life. <laughs> and uh, Filmmaker Magazine just named her one of the 25 new faces of independent film. That is a beautiful mouthful. Beautiful mouthful. Congratulations, Jude. Wow, it sounds amazing when you say it. I'm like, yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're like truly an amazing person. Um, and I feel grateful to know you. Uh, and also, I'm curious about what's your story when it's not the black and white version? Like, who's Jude? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Have to describe myself. Um, that's never easy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up between Lebanon and the U S and I think that, um, that's really made me who I am today. Um, I started filming when I was like 15, uh, it was mostly because my mom had told me, you know, Jude, you're an Arab, you're a woman, you're a Muslim, you have a lot to be angry about. And so do something about it. And she said, you know, we have so many doctors. Um, what we really need is people in film. And, and there was only, I remember one Muslim filmmaker who made this film about the prophet and in the seventies or eighties. And everyone would always mention this guy and everyone has seen the film. And I just realized like, that's what this entire community is holding on to is this one filmmaker and this one film that we have um, and how important film is. And I think that that was the first time I realized how important cinema is and how you, know, you can go in a village in Lebanon and they've seen the film and, and my mom can recite it for you. And, and that was a big push for me. Um, I wanted to be just like him. What's so oh, who's the filmmaker? Oh, <laughs> his name's Mustafa Lakad. Um, he actually produced a lot of the Halloween films, which is very random as well. Um, but the film's called The Message. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's like no Muslim that hasn't seen it. And it became almost um, our, our lens into our own religion. And that just felt so 
powerful and 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 how powerful an image can be and how we hold on to it forever and for generations um and so yeah i wanted to be part of that <laughs> and i think a lot of how i felt about film um and what i've wanted to do changes because you know we as people grow and so how we see the world grows and and what we think is important also changes um so i feel like i'm i'm very different now from 16 year old Jude who um, wanted to make a film that was like, hijab is not oppressive. I'm a strong Muslim woman. (laughs) Now I'm just like, you know, just, just, just making the film shows that, you know, and, and, and is revolutionary in itself and not don't things can be um, told in a more subtle way um, and can even have a, a wider effect because of that. Um, so, wow, well, lost my train of thought. Okay, so where were we? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tiny um, question. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're saying it's a tiny question. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then I went to film school in the U.S. Uh, we actually backtrack a little bit. I started making these little documentaries in Lebanon when I was like 16. Um, and they went to these youth film festivals. And I think that that gave me a lot of um, courage to continue making films because it was like, wow, I'm being celebrated. I'm so young. I don't know what I'm doing. I barely know how to hold a camera. Um, but it was working and people really reacted well. Um, and yeah, then I went to the U.S. and I studied film. And then I was working in New York um, and I worked at Sesame Street for a minute, which was so random, um, but also just a great experience. And I learned a lot and I was mostly working on other people's docs as a DP. And now I'm working on my first feature doc, um, which is so exciting and feeling it feels like it's taking forever. But hopefully soon next year, it'll be out. So it's like on its way, really out here in the great big yeah. world. That's awesome. I feel like when we met a few years ago, you were working on your documentary. So it's exciting. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I'm actually, yeah, I'm thinking back. I mean, when we, the last time we met up, I was working on this doc, but when we, the first time we met, um, I was pitching a whole other idea (laughs) when we met at Camden. Um, and it was, yeah, it's crazy. It's like that story was personal, but this story is like the real personal film that had to happen but I pushed away for so long because it's challenging when you have to talk about family issues and it's something that you want to you know keep in the ground and so making this Mm. film is really digging that all up um, in a way that can be uncomfortable but necessary so you're the film that you're coming out next year is a family film yeah so Q I'll give a little backstory Um, it's a film it's a doc about three generations of Muslim woman in my family. So my grandmother, my mother, and I, and our relationship to a Muslim woman's cult. Um, and I know cult is a very big world word, but um, I think the film is less about the group um, and more about the love that happens when spirituality is in the mix and what spiritual abuse can look like. And what does soul snatching look like? Because my mom was with the group for 40 plus years and she lost herself in them. Um, and what happens when now she's outside of the group and um, where does she find love and, and where does that search for God continue? Because ultimately the film, I mean, if you strip away the group and all of that, my mother's 
whole purpose and longing in her life has been to find God. And so to what lengths will she go to find him? And then this group comes in the mix of it. And of course is like the, you know, overarching, um, pull in the film, but yeah. (laughs) I absolutely love that you're, um, that you're doing a personal film. And Mm -hmm. I love what you said about how this is the personal project that you pushed away. Mm. Um, Because I think a lot of us as artists have that dilemma, right? When the things that we're wrestling with that are really close to our heart, really close to our soul are also very deeply invested in our family dynamic and how do we explore those things with honesty um, and with our creative eye while also being respectful of the people who helped us become who we are Mm. yeah it's not easy I mean it's definitely not easy and I think um it's it's, it's been a process to get my mom to where she is now with the film, for example. I mean, in the beginning, she was like, I'll get you X members of the group. I'll get you someone that's part of the group that you can interview. Just I don't want it um, to be about me or, you know, you can focus on on the group as a whole. Um, but I knew deep down inside that the story has to be the family story because I'm not interested Um in the group and in this, I, I know it's so interesting to people. Oof, it's a cult. It's secretive. It's the largest Muslim women's organization. Um, we want the inside scoop. And I don't, I have to be um, weary of the fact that we don't need more bad images of Muslims out there. And so I can't, you know, just come at it with this, from this angle of, look, this is a group and they're not really great and they're Muslim. Surprise. Um, but but the angle now that the film is coming out of is a much more sensitive and I, I also think respectful um, way to approach it where, yes, we need to talk about the evils in our own communities. Um, and, you know, this is a way to do it, but you also have to pose an alternative. And that's what the film does. It does not reject mm-hmm. Islam as a whole. Uh, it rejects a group and it says, and it differentiates. And this is what we, we struggle with a lot, I think, in our communities is differentiating um the group from from the religion and so this is what the film is doing is like you you didn't she didn't need a middleman between her and god um she just she could have done it on her own and so that's what we kind of take her to in the end she didn't need a middleman between her and god i've been thinking a lot about um middleman between humans and God. Um, mm. I don't actually know if you know this, but I grew up in a very religious family. Um, oh, wow. My grandmother is a pastor, a doctor oh, wow. of divinity, and my uh, my family and I grew up in a non-denominational, but mostly Presbyterian Black church in the South. Wow. And Uh, I remember going to church multiple times throughout the week, whether it was for um, like Bible school or for regular Sunday service or for choir practice or whatever. And what I absolutely loved about having a, like a, a, a consistent space for, I guess, divinity to live was the community. Mm. Yeah, it was the being around the other people that I really valued. And also when you have a religious space or a spiritual space that is centered around community, you also have humanity in the mix, which is imperfect. 
by definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 100%. And I really love that you're exploring the like the beauty that can exist when humanity and spirituality dive in together and also how there are some opportunities for some further introspection. Mm. Yeah. And it's not, it's not an easy conversation. Um, I think it's a very difficult one. And I think we as communities always kind of steer away from that. Um, I think I've realized this recently where, you know, outsiders look at Muslims and paint them with one brush. And also we as Muslims paint ourselves with one brush. Um, everyone tries to act. I just feel like it's very performative. Um, when you go to the mosque, when you, when you're in religious spaces, um, and we try to act like nothing's going on and everything is perfect. And it's, it was very hard for me. I think it wasn't until, um, I went to film school and I was like away from home that I realized, um, this perfect portrait that my mom had um, painted for me my whole entire life. It just like fully started breaking up and crashing down. And, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't real. And, um, and I don't think she did it on purpose. I think that that's also how she saw everything around her. Um, I don't think she was like lying to me, but um, it isn't, it isn't that way. And, uh, and I think the only way that we can, move forward, um, is by looking back and seeing, you know, what's, what went wrong and how can we, um, reframe our intentions and move forward again? Yeah. The only way, the only way is forward, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Only way is forward. And also there's some beauty in, um, there's some beauty in taking a look back and saying, okay, Mm. this worked. (laughs) Some of these things yeah. worked too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't all trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you don't have to throw away the whole, the whole situation. Um, so you, I find it really interesting that um, you name your mom as one of the first and foundational people that got you into film and art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, <laughs> we're very close. Um, I think, I think we as a people, um, mostly speaking about like the Arab world, for example, um, we have no appreciation for art and culture anymore. And I think that this has a lot to do with colonization because, um, yeah, something I've been saying recently is like when your house is burning down, um, the last thing you grab is the portrait on the wall. You know, like no one had time. Like we're, we're still picking up the the pieces and the damage that's been done. I mean, um, and this is also something that I had to, took me a while to realize um, in order to also give value and understand where I come from. Um, but I think that if it wasn't for my mom's appreciation for art and culture, I wouldn't have the tools to take on storytelling the way that I do. Um, I think in, in the region specifically, like we plant no seeds and then we're always surprised when the field only gives us poison and and weeds. And it's like, we, we lost our value um, for the arts somewhere along our history, but that wasn't always how it was. Like we had this golden era, we had this amazing time. And so um, how do, like you said, how do we look back and, and take that good and put, and put it into what's happening now? Like when Muslim artists come out now and, and make it seem like they're the first ones to do this, like we're not the first ones, like Ibn Haytham, um, uh, a scholar, uh, um, uh, a theologian um, in history, I think like 11th century or something was, was actually 
the man who invented the camera. You know, like this, this comes from our world. Like we make it seem like it's so distant from us when no, naturally this is part of our history. So um, how do we take from that and, and, and no longer victimize ourselves as well. Like, I think that that happens a lot, you know, oh, we were colonized this and that and, and how do well, we can't use that anymore. Oh my gosh. This is vibing so hard for me because I think about this a lot in terms of blackness in the United States. Hmm. There's, yeah. there's so much like a horrific history. <laughs> like there's so much horrific history when you think about like families being separated or communities being destroyed or languages being literally yeah. beat out of people. And yeah. how do you make space for how horrible that was and the very real effects that that has on like the human psyche and how a legacy is passed forward while also yeah. taking responsibility for yourself and your future. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. And acknowledging that there's no one who's going to save you. Like if you want your community to thrive, you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it takes a lot, um, to also not like, I don't know how to say this in a way that sounds okay, but like not to, to stay in that space that you're talking about as well. Like when I started learning about all the colonization and seeing the effects, um, on the generations before me, um, seeing it in the region, I mean, you can get very tied up in all of that. Like it can really consume you. Um, but how do we, how do we use that emotion towards something that is productive, you know? What does productivity look like for you in a situation like this? Uh, <laughs> um, making art. <laughs> I really feel like that. Like, it's just like this feel like every time I, I remember that I'm making this film, I just feel like the responsibilities that I have, um, I'm completing them. Like, that's it. This is all I have to do. I'm putting something out there that does speak the language that I speak, that that does represent who I am, that it, that also isn't um, watered down. And I think that a lot of the feedback I've gotten while making this film has been, give us more information. We don't under, we don't know what Syria looks like. We don't know what Lebanon looks like. We don't understand the hijab. And that would be an entirely different film. And I have to constantly remind myself that um, I have to stick to my original intention and I have to kind of um, turn off all that noise because deep down in our hearts, like we know the films that we're supposed to make. We know um, what we want to do. It just it, it's really challenging when I am a first time feature filmmaker uh, and an entire industry is kind of pushing me in that direction and, and wanting to see more of the cult and wanting um, this very simplified Muslim story when that's just that's not what it means to be Muslim. Like we're such a nuanced, <laughs> like it's just crazy. Like we're so colorful and it's like, oh, I want a black and white story, you know? And it's like, but none of this lies in these very specific boxes that you're putting for us. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like I'm venting at this no, point. I can no, vent you're not. Free. You're like, you're not venting at all. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, what you said about, you know, deep down the story you're supposed to tell. And a lot of the feedback you've been getting is about, can you make this more comprehensible when it comes to the boxes that I have in my head? And it's like, no, like, that's the point. Yeah. The reality isn't your box. 
And, and there's I'm- always, yeah. And I think it's so funny because it's like, they ask you, they, 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 they act like they really want your story. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> we want this and that, but then the minute you give it to them, it's like, Oh no, no, no. But I didn't mean that kind of story. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't mean that version of yourself. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, don't, don't give me the real, you know what I mean? And like, show me like a woman taking her hijab off. Like that's the kind, that's what I'm interested in. Um, I think it's I, like, I genuinely think that's what they expect with this film. Like the ending is my mom ripping her hijab off on a rooftop dancing, <laughs> um, and she's free now, you know? And it's like, when you start challenging these concepts of what freedom and, 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 um, certain I don't, like landscapes in their mind and you're like shifting it all. It's like, we well, you know, but this, it doesn't, yeah. Like once again, it doesn't fall into that box. Yeah. The landscape of freedom. And also I'm, I'm thinking about something that Tony, I believe it was Tony Morrison mm-hmm. who said that something she really appreciated about the work of, of some of the West African authors that she read is that they didn't put definitions mm. of, their, of their experience into their work. Yeah. That if there was a if there was a moment that was typical to the culture of the author, or if there was a word that was native to their language or a dynamic that was foundational to the way that they lived, they wouldn't go into a, an explanation of why it is or what it is or how it is. It's like it is is. Yeah. And you can tell when something's made for the person's own people, and you can tell when it's made for the outside. It's very clear. I think even with films, the simplest thing is like the titles all being in English. Um, the bottom of the screen, you know, uh, saying a Beirut, Lebanon. Um, it's just so clear. You know, I, like I'm with, with Q, I want everything to be in Arabic and then the subtitles can just translate whatever needs to be translated. But the, the work is, is you cannot even describe the difference between when the work is um, clearly made for the people in that region. And then you get to just come in and read a little bit about it or watch some of the images and experience some of that. Or when it's like, yeah, it's just, it's watered down. There's no other way to define it. So having, you know, built your personal life experience between Beirut and New York, how do you think that's impacting the way that you tell this story? Oh, wow. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, like how, I have a lot of specific feelings about um, the U.S., obviously. Um, you know, I grew up there and then I grew up in Lebanon. And um, and it's it's not really clear in my mind. And I think something I also think about a lot is like, who would I have been if I just fully grew up in Lebanon? And I know that I have that I have taken a lot from America and America has given me a lot. And, um, and if one thing that it has done is may is, is kind of broke down that illusion that people from the region feel, um, towards the U S you know what I mean? Like, because I've had that experience, um, I'm coming back to the Arab world and, and I'm seeing it with like bright eyes and I'm uh, valuing my, my culture more. And um, wait, hold on. I feel like I went off of the question. <laughs> I think you're right on. I asked about being, having Beirut, yeah. grown into yourself between Beirut and New York. How does that showing up in the way that you produce this and direct this film? Yeah. I mean, yeah, as far as like, 
I can, I can live in Lebanon the rest of my life. And like America will always show up in a lot of the things that I do, you know, I can't run away from it. And it's not like I am, I'm, I'm aware of what I've gained, um, from being born there. And I'm not putting America on a pedestal. I would never, um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, maybe that sounds really bad. <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, like, yeah, I think, um, I have such a more, um, clearer vision of these two worlds, East and West in a way that I wouldn't have had if I grew up only in the East. I mean, everyone I'm around in Lebanon, the dream would be to go to the U S the dream is, um, to live that out. And, um, and I feel very blessed that I, you know, that isn't a dream of mine. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it allows you to, to see things in a different light. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think how that relates to the film. I don't know. It's okay. Not no, a totally viable answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've lived my entire, I live my entire, let's say life where I've grown into being an adult. Like yeah. my entire childhood, I have lived in the United States. I think that's a blessing sometimes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, especially, uh, especially being a person who's descendant of like enslaved people on both sides. Uh, I have a very particular relationship with the land here, like not just like yeah. the culture of the United States, but like yeah. actually living on this earth in mm. the region of the world. Uh, uh, I think that a lot of Americans struggle with a connection to land um, and a connection to honestly, like, frankly, we'll go as big as saying spirituality. I think (laughs) that a lot of, uh, Americans struggle with that. And like, now I'm like, literally right now I'm sitting on the floor, um, yeah. In, in North Carolina in Durham, surrounded by trees, surrounded by reds and golds and oranges. And I am in shock and awe of how beautiful this country is yeah, regularly. And also I'm very much aware (laughs) of how much tragedy and how much pain and how much um, harm has been done here too. And what I try to do in my own work is tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. Well, as much of the whole story as I have a framework to experience. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to do with your work too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. I'll, I'll start using that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're, you're making this feature film. Is that where the, all of your creative energy is pouring into right now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We're in, um, the, an early post-production. So Right now, it's like finding the story and shaping all of it um, and, and making it make sense. So, yeah, it's taking a lot of my time. <laughs> um, so are you going into this? I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this because there are a lot of listeners who are, who are artists and know themselves, too, and also do a lot of solo projects. Mm. And I'm curious, with this being your first feature, about the sort of like the logistics, like the craft of what you're building. Yeah. Um, 
what does it look like for you being a director who's very close to the story, not only in like crafting the arc, but also the people that you're interviewing? It's literally your family and your life. What does it look like to you to actually delegate some of the work of this very big project? Yeah. Um, it's been really hard even to find a team. Um, to be honest, I mean, I shot the whole thing. Um, my husband's my editor. Um, sorry, my cat just like tried to attack me. <laughs> um, hold on. I'm going to get up. <laughs> I will reposition myself so that she is comfortable. <laughs> right. That's what you have to do for cats. <laughs> She's trying to attack me like the whole time. Um, yeah, I mean, so from the beginning, for example, like I've been trying to find a producer and maybe I am protective over the story. You know, I think, um, also because of like the feedback I've gotten, um, and the way that people come into the film or see the film, um, I am always nervous about, uh, people not seeing the same vision, but it's not even the same vision. It's more of appreciating the vision, I think. Um, and not wanting to kind of, yeah, manipulate it um, in a way that doesn't match that original intention. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still producing it myself and it's been two and a half, three years now. Um, I can't edit it myself at all. I've tried to like go through the footage. I can't, it's, it's very close to home. It's literally home. <laughs> so um, yeah, my husband's editing. We haven't been married too long, so um, it's pretty chill. Like he doesn't know that much about the family, so where he's like, <laughs> he doesn't know about out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's great because he can like see my mom with her hijab on, and they're off. And there's like moments where like I'll be shooting, and she'll like rip it off, and then you know we'll cut. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, in terms of that, it's been a great process because there's so many moments where I won't think it's important, but then he will, and he'll think about that, the bigger audience. And, um, you need someone else. I think obviously when you're working on something so personal, um, especially cause like I've done most of it on my own, um, to, to have, um, an, a more objective, uh, viewpoint on, on the footage Did I, I didn't, I don't think I answered the whole question. No, I, I, my question was really about with this, with this project being so close to you, what does it look like to willingly hand over some of that power mm. to, to someone else? And I think you did a really, I mean, my understanding is you still are working with someone who you value and love and respect, which is step one. Yeah. <laughs> like with your husband being the editor. And also it sounds like there is an added, like you spoke to the added bonus of having someone that's outside of your mind give yeah. give their their opinion about what is deemed important yeah. um, because it can be very hard when um you know there's a lot of moments where I'll think is this actually interesting are people going to find this interesting maybe I find it interesting because it's my family or the opposite you know I don't find this interesting because it's just my dad eating popcorn from the tv um but it's like these are very sometimes intimate and um special everyday moments that for someone else, it's like, well, I actually haven't seen like an, an older Muslim couple, um, middle-class just hanging out, watching TV and eating popcorn, you know? And it's like, so it's, it's balancing that as well as I think something that I've always been thinking about since the beginning of making this film is, um, not wanting it to 
feel like a home video (laughs) and just wanting Mm. to make sure that like there is, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't want it to feel like therapy. And I think also- I have a question. What's what's wrong with it being, feeling like a home video? I I just think that film shouldn't be selfish in that way. And I don't know. I just like, it has to engage the audience. And if it's, if it's, I don't want to say too personal because that's not correct. But if it's, um, if it just lives in its own little world and it it doesn't even invite you in, in the slightest, I think that's what I've tried to avoid. Mm. Um, yeah. Making sure that it doesn't just feel like the self-therapy that I'm trying to do. And like, I just need to sit my mom down. The only way she's going to sit down and talk to me is if I have a camera up, No, like it has to still feel cinematic. And of course, like cinema has to have emotion and that has to lead you through it. Um, but I even play with the idea of, you know, if, cause I'm not actually on screen. Um, and so is there a world that exists where the, the audience doesn't know that, the, oh. the daughter is filming you know what I mean yeah um, I mean it's probably not going to happen because <laughs> oh my god the kid is trying to get me in my lap <laughs> sorry <laughs> she's obsessed she's like I want to be in the podcast too <laughs> like, I'm important yeah, yeah literally okay she's gone now <laughs> um yeah I don't know I'm, tr- I'm still trying to make sense of it all and I think I won't fully understand or or be able to process like my role in all of this till the end. Um, because yeah. Cause like I said, it's been really challenging. Like I'm pushing my mom in ways that maybe the group also pushed her in. Uh, maybe I'm acting just like the group is like, they were very controlling. Um, is she doing this just for me, for my career, you know? And so I think there's a lot there in terms of, um, giving myself, um, to this film and process. I think a part, this is a personal opinion, but uh, I think a a big part of creating art is giving part of yourself. The challenge that I see come up a lot is how much of yourself is healthy to give to people who haven't entered into that agreement with you consciously. Mm. Because yeah. like, like when I'm creating work, ultimately it's for me, you know, like, sometimes it is a bit of self-therapy and sometimes it is a bit of, I need this, me personally, I feel called to bring this out into the world because I know the impact that it can make. And also at the same time, I do not have a personal relationship with the audience. Um, And there's a certain level of trust and also a certain level of self-protection that I have to have in mind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, it sounds like you're still sort of figuring this out. You are still in like that pre-production phase. Uh, but I love that you're asking yourself these questions. Mm. Yeah. Cause it's interesting. Like once you start thinking about the audience, I mean, that's a whole like headache in itself. I mean, like the audience will always bring in their own thoughts to the cinema. Like, if I, if a woman is in a hijab and she comes up on the screen and she says, I'm not oppressed. If the, if the viewer believes otherwise, then this won't change that. And so I really think that we do come into the cinema with our own eyes. And I think that is also very hard to wrap my head around (laughs) because you are always hopeful as a director that when people come in, they sit down, they forget everything else and they just fully go into the world that you allow them to go into. But I think that that's 
that's romanticizing it in a way that that's not actually true. Um, yeah. And I think that's really hard to think about, especially when it's something that's personal and something you're being very vulnerable in. I mean, I've gotten feedback that my grandmother's is an unlikable character, you know, <laughs> that I'm at the, after, after the call, I was like, Hey, that's my grandma. Why are you saying that? It's kind of mean. Like, don't say that my grandma. Like, your mom no, is like, unlikable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, this is, you know, I'm I'm being very vulnerable here. I'm showing you my family, like, have some respect, but it's like there's it, they don't have to, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and it's scary to think about, yeah, like when the film does come out, like how how will people react and and will they forget, which they will, that this is my family at the end of the day, you know. And I'm not saying that they have to be like, they have to be re- like, disrespect me and my family, da 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 da, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's just something that the filmmaker has to think about when going into something that's personal. Yeah, for sure. Can you share a practice that's helping you stick, remind you of who you are as you're building this work? Hmm. Um, Okay, I'm going to bring it back to spirituality because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm feeling lately. Um, in Islam, we say that like, if you don't know yourself, you don't know God. And, um, and I've been really feeling that lately. And I think that the way that I am getting to know myself is by getting to know God in cinema, at least like making this film is, feels very spiritual to me, makes me feel like that's where I am finding God and learning more about him. And like, um, yeah, just truly finding him in between these images. Um, and in finding him, I feel like I find myself in some weird, um, mystic way. (laughs) Yeah. I firmly believe that the work that we create, that we put out into the world, isn't from us. Mm. Um, Yeah, it kind of goes through us, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a vessel. Yeah. Um, Especially for the work that I feel like is making a real difference, that's really impacting, that's really helping people discover who they are. I, because so frequently it's the work that I needed to thrive. Mm. It's like, I was, I'm in a situation that's so challenging or in a moment of transition that's so monumental that I have to create this work and it's transformative for me and the power that it had to help me realize who I am translates to whomever it is that needs to see it too. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I have oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I'm so excited to see your film. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Every time someone says that, I'm like, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it sounds like you're putting so much of so much love mm. and so much honesty and so much attention and care into creating it and so it's I have no doubt that it's going to be beautiful oh I appreciate that thank you yeah 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 so uh, we know a little bit about what you're building right now uh can you let the not yet community know where they can find you or your work on the internets 
Instagram. <laughs> oh, I have a website, I guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so my Instagram is Jude, J-U-D-E, Shab, C-H-E-H-A-B. And my my website's the same. So Jude Shab at, I mean, dot com. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com. Awesome. Um, please check out Jude's IG because it is, it's, it's like a film noir meets... <laughs> meets art ho meets amazing style meets international jet setter and it's everything that you need on your tl i was like where are you gonna go with this (laughs) (laughs) now you know the final destination Um, yeah yeah thank you so much dude you're amazing and i can't wait to keep having more comments like this oh thank you Paige. thank you for having me this is so nice Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community. I'll see you next week.